0: Good morning, this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about
1: Vampire the Masquerade.
0: By White Wolf.
1: We were gonna talk about
0: World of Darkness.
1: The whole thing. there's a
0: lot of it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in those, all that World of Darkness stuff. But Vampire the Masquerade, it's a uh, very uh, interesting and uh, storied history to that game, because it's been around since 1991. And uh, has had many incarnations since then, and I thought it would be a good subject to cover for our podcast. We've kind of mentioned it every once in a while because it is had a big impact in uh, role-playing games, but we never really discussed it just by itself. It always in references to other things. So, Vampire the Masquerade was published in 1991 by Stewart and uh, Steve. I should say their last name.
0: The White Wolf publishing people.
1: Yeah, they formed White Wolf. I didn't know, uh, I had to look it up, but the, the game was actually kind of thought up by this other guy. Uh, what was his name?
0: Oh, he, it, it, he's given credit, dude.
1: Oh, is he? I, didn't, I mean, I didn't know.
0: That's because you didn't really like this system. His name is Mark Rain Hagen. Mark Rain
1: Hagen, that's right.
0: And interestingly enough, there's a whole... uh a documentary because when I was researching this, I'm all Saul. There's a documentary, <laughs> we got to watch it. It's called World of Darkness, something, yeah. And World I'm, of Darkness, the documentary, or something like it, that. You can look it up, but it's really interesting.
1: It's really interesting. It's a little produced, it's produced pretty well. It, and It has a lot of information which I didn't know, like I don't remember, but at some point in the 90s, there was a television show,
0: yes, and <laughs> I was, never saw it. it <laughs> I never, I never even remember. It came on after a show I watched, and I didn't even know.
1: Yeah, well, it was after the X Files, supposedly, right? Yeah,
0: and and interestingly enough, that means that after the X Files, I turned off the TV, and I didn't even know there was <laughs> another show on that I might have liked.
1: You just immediately turned off the TV. There was no better show than X Files at the time.
0: Or I saw the had vampires, and vampires aren't my favorite thing. Hunter thing. So,
1: so a Vampire hits the streets in 1991, and it's totally different from other role-playing games in a certain sense, right? It does, it does change what a role-playing is.
0: It emphasizes storytelling.
1: Right. And it calls the GM a storyteller and it, and the book doesn't start off with stats or races and stuff. It starts off with what a storyteller is and, and how to run a storytelling game.
0: But it's still a role-playing game. Oh yeah. And it, it. Before we go into all the things that it changed and stuff and things it brought about, I think it, it was, um, the mechanics of it were kind of, they, there weren't classes, there were clans. Right. And, but they did roll dice. There were dice pools. They got the, in fact, they, the, the creator, um, Mark Rainhagen, he turned, he, he talked to, or he. Got somebody to help him, not help him, The idea did, Tom Dowd, the guy that did uh, Shadowrun. Right. One of the co designers of Shadowrun. So the system has dice pools, but instead of six sided dice, they're 10 sided dice.
1: Yeah, I never realized that, that connection. I remember the dice pools and dice pools, is, Shadowrun is all about dice pools. But I, what I liked when I remember playing, I didn't play Vampire, I played Werewolf. And what I liked about it was that it was so simple, right? They, they didn't have numbers they had little dots and the dots told you how many dice you had to combine your skill and your uh, attribute to throw in your dice pool. And I thought it was very, I thought it was very ingenious because there's no math, I guess. So when I was playing Werewolf much later than 1991, it was probably right around 2000 or late nineties. It was really interesting. I I really liked it. I just thought, Oh, I looked at the dots and just, I didn't have to count numbers. I didn't have to do anything. I just—it was very easy, and it wasn't intrusive, which I guess is what World of Darkness games are. It allows you to be more of a game about talking to each other and stuff like that than killing stuff and taking their stuff. Killing pe- things and taking their stuff, because as a vampire, you don't need to do that. You have usually you don't have to. You're not in the game of trying to enrich or get richer in the game. So. You eliminate that; it changes what the games are about, which I thought were pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, instead of having to make a certain roll to see if you make it, well, you do make the roll, but it's like just a number that you're trying to a target them.
1: Target number. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting. And I go, wow, there's no, there's no numbers on the character sheet; they're just dots, and that just tells you what you need to, how many dice you need to roll. Uh, another thing I liked about the game is that that because you this is not a game about murder hoboing right they're not killing things and taking their treasure you're just there's, killing them there's different stories to tell what well, what well, what other stories are to tell? and that and that pushes you to come up with other things that would that would make the game go right to make that to change the type of adventures that you're gonna run it changes a lot of things right uh, in that sense. So well, I'm game... going
0: to say that it's probably about political intrigue, right? The...
1: Exactly. was, I was going to say, I was going to say intrigue. I didn't think about political intrigue, but that's exactly what it is.
0: I mean, political intrigue within the clan, within
1: the clans and within the power the structures and stuff like that. So, and that's what the game is about. So how do you role play that is by interacting with each other and scheming and making plans and making, uh, what is it, alliances with, with other vampires and, and this, and behind all that is this idea that you don't want to get caught, right? You don't want to be exposed as vampires because vampires in the game are like hidden, right? They don't want to be exposed. That's why it's called the masquerade because they're masquerading as humans in certain senses sometimes, but they don't want exposure. So there's that, there's that thing over, overlying everything, overlying? over everything in the sense that overlaying overlaying over overlaying the game that there's all kinds of things you want to do but at the but you can't be out in the open over yeah overt right so which really makes it like this kind of a sneaky you got to be undercover and you got it's just a really different experience than other role playing games to that time. i don't know that up, up until that up time. Until the time. So
0: the the guys that made this, the both the brothers for White Wolf Publishing and uh, and Mark Hagen, they grew up playing D anD D, right, and other role playing games, and they, they actually met at Gen Con, and
1: okay, yes, right.
0: It was interesting listening to them talk about you know their childhoods and stuff. Like they were all they all consider themselves the outsiders, right? They all consider themselves, you know. Not one. The in fact, uh, Mark Rain Hagen said he he never fit in. Nobody ever liked him. And I thought that was. I'm like, yeah, that's like what people typically say about. You know, they find role playing and they find that kind of community where they fit in with people. Right. Right. So vampire, it really got the the what do you want to call it? It piqued the interest of people that were like goths and and. uh kids that were experiencing angst at the time, right?
1: I think so. I mean, I remember it coming out. One, I know I'm kind of a scaredy cat, and I've talked about that before, and it was just wasn't my kind of game. When it came out, I was like, eh, you know, I don't want to play a vampire. I don't understand. I didn't understand what you could do, right? I, wasn't, I was playing D&D and perfectly happy playing D&D. So the idea of playing a monster was like, what do you do? And and then I never got it. And then the people who played it were very, you know, they would wear makeup and stuff like that. And uh, it just wasn't my uh, conservative role-playing mindset. Fun in my mind. But for other people, obviously, it was a outlet that they needed because it does you know, D&D already, uh, role-playing games already attracts outsiders and stuff like that during this time, right, the 70s and the 80s. And even in the '90s, so.
0: Well, even today. Even
1: today, but today today it's it's more slightly changed, for the better, right? And so, what happens is when we when we look at the people who were playing, they were very much more interested in telling stories, right, and telling uh, stories other than than treasure hunting and stuff.
0: Well, we've talked about it before. Um, They were the. It was like it was a sort of therapy for them what they didn't they may not have realized it at the time right but one of the people on that documentary was ta- was talking about how it was very therapeutic to be able to actually meet people like yourself who have the same experience and one they really liked who the, the guy that they hired to do the the do you remember his name the one that did the the drawings dart i forget uh, his name but um he did it very um you know, club like, and they were all living in Atlanta at the time in the 80s. And the club scene, you know, there were punks, punk, punk rock was a thing. And there were a lot of people into that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, well, for me, in 1991, I was still in college in Chico. So it wasn't a, a bed of a a bed of role-playing uh, at least not that I could remember and then I, well, I actually graduated in 1991 so I was home in Salinas in 19 right after this game hit uh Salinas isn't the hotbed of a uh, liberal and what it was funny is that the people that I, I saw that it attracted were people who were really into like uh drama they were theater people people who were actually like in theater in high school and in college and <clears throat> I think because of all kinds of factors, right? There's all kinds of movies that came out in the early '80s. Anne Rice was a big deal in the early '80s.
0: Although um, the the guy that that wrote it, um, Mark Rainhagen, he said that he refused to read Anne oh, yes. Rice because he didn't want it, his world to be tainted, and which was he goes which was hilarious because all the stuff that he was. That he referencing. was referencing, like he lost boys and and um, some of the other ones. He was like he discovered later that that was totally Ann Rice, right? Like they were they were <laughs> developed with those ideas,
1: right? They had read Ann Rice, yeah, right? and so that's what all those themes and and political and entry, political stuff, all the, was, all
0: the kind of stuff, in was, was
1: coming from Ann Rice novels. And I don't when not it was, only Ann Rice novels, right.
0: but some of them, and,
1: right? And I I don't even know when Ann Rice was. Was published, but I know when I was in college in 1988, so it was before, yeah, obviously before uh, uh, the Lost Boys and stuff. This guy did a, a reading of a passage of, of interview with a vampire, and I had no idea what he was talking about. So he goes, Hey, do you want to listen to me do my thing? And I go, Sure. And it, I forget what well, he was into, I guess he was in drama, but he was, it was, this was like a spoken type of word where you talk, uh, as the character who's saying these words. So he starts going into this spiel about that he is the vampire Shtot and stuff. like like, I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And he was talking, he was in character. So I'm like, and then I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. But it was really interesting. What was funny is actually, uh, being that I was in Chico at the time, and I was dressed for Selina's weather. I had a lot of sweaters and stuff. And so when, when I went to Chico and I became friends with this guy, well, he was a dorm mate. You know, he lived in my dorm floor and he's asking people. He was a bigger guy, so he's asking people for sweaters and nobody had a sweater. And he goes, "Hey, do you have a sweater?" I go, "Yeah. Do you want a sweater? For it's freaking 100 degrees." And I and I go, I, goes, "Do you have a black sweater?" I go, "Yeah." So I lent him my black sweater cuz he needed to wear, you know, that was part of the character cuz you know vampires were black, I guess. And I was just, it was, it was interesting, but I just, I never equated it, you know, Anne Rice with this, you know, this vampire Thought thing until, until the movies came out and I am like, Oh, I'm like, that's what he was doing. <laughs> Obviously I knew that he was doing some story, but I didn't know, I didn't know it was Anne Rice. So I thought it was interesting. So that was, uh, you know, it was kind of famous in 88. So she must've been writing in the early eighties and mid eighties. And he was a drama guy, right? So that, you know, that totally, he could have been playing Vampire Masquerade later on easily.
0: I just want to tell you that in Chico, there were people playing role playing games. You just didn't know where they were.
1: (laughs) Okay. That's true. No, I knew some people who would play, but I didn't, I won. I didn't, I wasn't like, you didn't want to be
0: outed as a, as a, yeah,
1: there's that. And I was really busy. I was, I took, I was trying to take, uh, going to school seriously. So I was, pretty busy most of the time unlike most of my uh my dorm mates and even my my roommates at the time later on but it was very interesting i thought it was uh he was it was very interesting this this it was like a, a speech that he was giving right this vampire i could see people who were really into drama really liking vampire the game the masquerade game because it was moody it was like you said what what was another one it was uh, angsty there's a lot of angsty people in the, in the early 90s and mid-90s.
0: Well, <laughs> I thought it was interesting in that documentary that we were watching. One guy said that he was working in a, in a role-playing store or, or a gaming store. And all of a sudden, after Masquerade came out, all of these people, these gothic people dressed in gothic style. Black or, clothes yeah. and white makeup. Came in and they would buy Ma- Vampire the Masquerade and they wouldn't talk to anybody else in the store and they would leave. <laughs> And he goes. It was very. It was totally different than most role playing guys at the time. You know, they will tuck your ear off and right. if, if someone was and women, it. yeah,
1: yes. Wow, I think when you have that group of people who are consider themselves outsiders, just like regular D anD Ders players, and then they find a game where they can be like with other people they like, and it and they're doing stuff that for them is fun, right? Which is playing in this character in this moody world, this dark world. And, and because it so easily plays into this idea of, of, of going into LARPs, it was a huge, uh, LARP game. I mean, it
0: still is, I'm sure. Right.
1: And I remember that was one of the first LARP games that I ever heard of was Masquerade because they actually came out with a rule set for, for Masquerade vampire Masquerade called it was the company was called Mind's Eye or something like that. Uh, live action role-playing the masked vampire. And it was not- in a
0: box. It was cause I, I remember seeing it. Cause you had bought me, um, there was, you had bought me those, those, um, what were they called? How how to host a murder at oh, home, yes, two yes, of them. Yes. And we had gone to David um, or DD had, had, uh, had one at his house. Oh, you didn't go to, I didn't it, go to but it. Me and your brothers and Alicia went. Right, right. And so it was a, it was, and we were vampires there. That was a very. I, I wonder if it. I don't know what one it was, but it was very interesting. It was supposed to be a LARP, but we were. It was us, so we were just sitting around the living room talking, right? Yeah, talking yeah, yeah. To each yeah, other. Yeah. We got better at it as as we went. As the night um, went on. Unfortunately, Alicia was the was the queen vampire. And you were actually playing vampires. Well, at least she was, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and, um,
1: and my, my sister-in-law uh, was very quiet. She's very shy she, very she shy. doesn't want
0: to talk to people. Yes. And so nobody could figure out who the killer
1: was cause she, she wouldn't, wouldn't talk say to, to anybody. <laughs> which you know, if you're a killer, you wouldn't want to talk about which
0: stuff. Didi should have known, but you know, there you go.
1: I think he was trying to pull her out of her shell. Yes, Which was, and, and, and as that's Felipe, that's, one that's turtle. a mistake. That's the turtle that's not going to come out of its shell.
0: But she's ha- she had fun. It was just that she wasn't into the whole. She w- you know you would ask her a question, She'd tell you stuff, right? Right. From her sheet, but
1: she wouldn't. She wouldn't role play it. Right.
0: And she wouldn't give away that she was the killer either, because.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I remember that. I remember you guys telling me that, and I must have been working because I don't remember. Robert,
0: but... Robert, your brother Robert had fun. Right. That was his first first
1: foray into foray into
0: uh...
1: <laughs> role play. It was a LARP. I, that, was, that was in Salinas, yes, right? Yes, it was. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to play that game. And I, th- I probably would, I might, would have enjoyed it. It would have been interesting.
0: But I, le- I always love people that play LARPs. They, they love to dress up. And, and Saul is always, when we go to conventions, every once in a while, he go, oh, there go the LARPers. But then right. I, go, I look at him and I go, dude. You love Halloween. Your whole family goes out to the nines and dressing up and making sure that their costumes are cool. And when we go to the Renaissance Fair, hello, you dress up and. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he always gets this, he has this love hate kind of thing with the whole (laughs) idea. I used to have a love
1: hate, not so much hate no more. No. But you're right. I was. I think he was just,
0: he's just envious because they have cool costumes.
1: I think there was a little bit of that, Mm -hmm. right? And I wasn't, what is it? I wasn't confident enough to go and dress up and be a vampire somewhere. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it takes a like there was uh, talking about that documentary, <laughs> the, the documentary about that that one woman who was uh, she was having her her mom was sick, and so she was going to. Uh, she was going to go to this thing and she dressed up and she, she kind of showed up and she was intimidated by these people and she left the room. Right. And then they kind of like, they kind of slowly coaxed her into, they'd come out and talk to her. They would go back to the room and they go, oh, come back to the, I guess they were in a large room. Yeah. And then she would say no. And then after a, a while, they finally, she finally like, okay, this is okay. I'm, I feel okay about it. And it was because
0: some of them followed her out of the room and tried to make her feel comfortable. right? Right.
1: Right. No, no, and that's good, and that's that's what you want. Uh, that's a very positive experience in an ARP, and so.
0: And I think that's you know, that's one of the things that's attractive about role playing in general yes. is that people want you to feel comfortable, uh, although you hear horror stories about about
1: it. But <laughs> there's a lot of horror stories out there.
0: <clears throat> but I think that would be that was really cool. That right,
1: I was I was pretty uh, impressed in the fact that. They, you know, they knew that she was having uh, issues as far as uh, how comfortable she was with the situation. And, and they handled it, obviously they handled it very well. She started playing and is now a devoted player. And another thing is I found interesting is that, the, and I didn't know was through that uh, documentary, was there was like this huge
0: fan base. Fan
1: base. Uh, and they were meeting all over the place in the, all over all, the world and it was and in large numbers right they would go to clubs even and be playing and, and listening to music and be playing at the same time in this world Which of,
0: sounds absolutely cool to me. <laughs> I, I wish that Saul would have been more adventurous in our in our role in the you know kind of role playing games that we did. I'm
1: not. I don't. I'm. I do not know. I, if, I don't know if that was here though. I don't know. If San Jose <laughs> was in the hotbed of that kind of activity. Maybe San Francisco, uh, something that, uh, where I hate to use the term weird, but you know that where weirdness isn't the. Uh,
0: I, I don't think you should use that term. because weird. I don't think they're
1: weird. No, but but uh, it's a, it takes a. Sp- a different kind of community to to be able to
0: Those communities are all over the place. I still I remember in, okay. in Chico, um Sarah took me to that movie that you don't like where everybody goes at night and watches it. The one with the Rocky talking plant. Yes. Show. yes. And there were people dressed up for that yes. and so I was like, "You went to what?" I go, "Well, she wanted to go, so I went." And there were a bunch of very interesting people that I met.
1: I, I, you know what? But that there was—I don't think there was a midnight showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show in Salinas. I think what influenced Chico because it's Chico is a very small town. Was a very small town, even when I went, it was only like six or seventy thousand.
0: Not, I would think you don't think it was quite that big.
1: Not okay, so it was even smaller, but it had a college, and colleges tends to bring in a lot of different people from different places, which is, isn't inherent from that community, you know. So what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. people in Chico who lived in Chico and were from Chico were from a very conservative community, same thing with Salinas, yeah. And there wasn't this influx of other people from all over the place who were like not right part of that culture and part of that society. And so it was a good mix of people, and I think anywhere there's a college, maybe even San Jose, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be that kind of mixture of people, and that's gonna make it so when things like that can happen, like like they were talking about Atlanta, was Atlanta Atlanta, yeah, that's where they, they lived, and they were in a certain area of Atlanta that was really into like, in, I don't know what you'd call it, but they were very like
0: were they were artsy artsy it was, that's right and artsy and they were like because i saw there was like tattoo parlors and and there were independent record stores and all kinds of different
1: actual record stores and and stuff like that and so and there's even in portland i I know some people who live in portland who started a a macabre store right where they're selling just i guess use the term weird stuff but or strange stuff how's that and so they're they're running this business and then they got the rent increased Actually, no. What happened was people were complaining about the store being kind of too strange. So they said that they weren't going to re- lo- redo their lease. And so they were forced to close down, which I thought was kind of sad. But, but, but those places do exist in certain cities. And I think usually the bigger the city, there's going to be a, a section of town where it's, it's more of an artsy bohemian place, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's artsy people everywhere, but some of them aren't as overtly artsy i guess and
1: then some you know sometimes they congregate in certain sections of towns right and i guess in atlanta that's where this uh that's where they were at this uh white wolf ended up being there yeah i thought it was pretty interesting it's very interesting group of uh, of how they came to be what i also was interested is i remember seeing this this uh role-playing game called nightlife way back and i'm like and i looked up to see when it came out it actually came out before vampire the masquerade and it actually has a lot of the same stuff in it that that va- that vampire masquerade had in it it had they had sort of clans and they had they were uh they were they were very secretive and stuff like that and it was very interesting was it about vampires yeah yeah, yeah. It was vamp- all monsters included like werewolves and stuff but mainly it was it was vampires because it, it mainly focused on vampires and uh sadly later on White Wolf had the same problem, right? They had Vampire the Masquerade. There was all these movies that came out after. Right? Yeah. And, and one, the first one like was Blade. Blade, right? And one of the, and the artist, I forget his, uh, what was his name? I, Jesus, I forgot his name. But he has a very interesting name. You can look it up. Right. And he said, at one point, when Blade does this, and they showed it on this video, he does this maneuver, and he goes, that's, that's my guy. That's my drawing, right? So then I, at one point, he was
0: talking to someone who worked on the movie. Yes.
1: And then and he says, well, yeah, we had your art book. Open. Open. And
0: he goes, oh, you didn't bother to, to goes, hire yeah. me to help <laughs> you with this?
1: So then what's funny is that later on, he gets a call by, ben, uh, not Benicio Del Toro, but the, Gu- Guillermo. Guillermo Del Toro, the director, maybe the producer. Director
0: the, for the second movie. The
1: second Blade yeah. or Blade 2. And he goes, I'll hire you. I'll pay Blade. you this time. I'll for pay your, you this time for your work. I thought that was a pretty cool story. Kudos to them to finally coming up, going to the original art, artist and saying, yeah, we owe you one, right? Uh, but later on, I remember years later, I was watching. Uh, my brother had this, I don't know where he got it, but he had this, like, this kit, like a, like a movie production kit or something like that. Or something that they sent to fans or something like you write in, oh, I, I want an interest in this movie. And the, and the movie was called Underworld. Oh, yeah. And he had like a map like a map of the of like this in you know, on parchment and he had this uh I think he had like a coin like a coin that said uh that said underworld and it was very and and he had all this stuff and I'm like and I'm and then it ha- of course he had all kinds of stuff uh what is it uh and all kinds of background on the movie or in the movie world and it's talking about vampires and this war between vampires and and werewolves and I'm like what the hell is this about a role-playing i didn't know it was that it didn't say movie nowhere did it say movie i guess somewhere if i read this small print it would have said like you know 20th century pictures but but i was like man is this a movie and it looked sounded really interesting where you play vampire or not you play but it's a, talking about vampires and and, and the lycan the and the, wars right and i'm like man what is this and then this was a, quite a bit before the movie came out Cause he, cause then I, then Underworld came out in the movie, and I was holy crap! This is uh, this is Vampire of the Masquerade, kinda right? It was a lot of themes. A lot know, of they, people thought that right, and it was like from way back. You know, the the vampires have been around for a long time. They were hiding from general population. Uh, I never, knew, I didn't think about the 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 werewolf aspect. I don't remember that from Vampire the Masquerade, but I know they had already came we're out with werewolf, werewolves. Yeah. And it turns out that no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't tied to uh, White Wolf, World of Darkness, or or had anything to do. with so But
0: since made. they stole their entire idea, <laughs>
1: they did get sued for it. They did get sued, right? And they actually had and they settled. And they settled, and they were able to make uh, one the rest of the movies. I thought it was interesting. It's hard to come up with something in a total vacuum, right? So when I was reading Nightlife, the the the, the other vampire game. It was a lot of similarities. It was a percentile system. It was actually numbers. It was... That was... And it still had like a lot of uh, a, lot of attributes. But there was a lot of stuff that was in it that pretty much was in *Masquerade*, Masquerade.
0: Did it come out before or after? 1990,
1: it came out before. Oh, so before. Yeah. And then the second edition came out in 1992. And uh, like I said, and then uh, of course, but for whatever reason uh nightlife was a very small company independent publisher uh didn't didn't blossom like uh like white wolf did Now, like white wolf uh the artist was very good right mm-hmm. he, and then he, he they were using whole page panels of the of his art and it really like what is it, it the art really popped popped as, as one word but not one that was <laughs> not the one i used but it was very evocative of the genre, right? Of the, that he, they were trying to portray this, they call it Gothic punk. Yes. And I, which I, I had never heard of. And it was very modern. They weren't these, uh, what is it? They weren't these.
0: It wasn't comic bookish or and right. it wasn't, what do you want to call it? Like childish art or right. Or it wasn't like fantasy art either. It right.
1: Was it wasn't line art. Yeah. It was a lot of, there was a lot of ink, you know, a lot of black and shades and stuff like that. I thought it was very good art. And
0: art is really makes the makes the role playing book more interesting, right? right. It really, it, and and now people put a lot of money into getting yes. artists yes. to do that.
1: Well, and what's what's funny is that when you look at the art, it can it can make or break a game, a role playing game. Even back then, because like like he, the, they actually talked to the author in the documentary, he said that. He wasn't knocking it, but a lot of the previous art was line art, right? It was this like very traditional type of art. And when he when he did the masquerade, they told him what they were going after. He goes, Oh yeah, yeah, I could do that. They looked at his art. They go, That's perfect. That fits what we're trying to the mood we're trying yeah. to evoke. And I think it's true because if you look at that art, they you know, it's not like these uh what is it? These uh kings of vampires dressed in like uh, 18th century or 17th century, 16th century clothes, there were these very street-looking-like people with with long coats and sunglasses. Well,
0: considering that he used his friends who were in <laughs> bands, right. and they were like, you know, musician types. Musicians
1: uh, in the, in the in late the, 90s. Uh, no, early 90s. I mean, er,
0: early, late, late 80s, 80s early, early
1: 90s, 90s, yes. Yes, and then, of course, there are a bunch of punks, right? Yeah. There were a bunch of punks, and so, you know, they have these... Uh, these like jackets with studs on yeah. them and they're torn and stuff like that it was really cool i mean i remember looking at the book and i'm like wow these this guy's a pretty good artist
0: i remember when um in chico when because that's where i grew up for my teenage years i remember when um when punk really came out and some of the college students you know they came and they they were dressed like you know in black yeah and they had spikes on their coats and stuff and i remember that it caused a big store stir stir, stir because people were like what the is going on <laughs>
1: okay oh, yeah, that never happened in salinas <laughs>
0: <laughs> I <was> like,
1: <laughs> no i remember there was, there was a couple people who were into especially
0: this. the people that put you know eyeliner the guys oh, that yeah. put eyeliner and had black lipstick some people just didn't know how to handle that oh yeah i thought it was pretty cool
1: <laughs> yeah i didn't see that didn't happen in salinas uh the closest was this one guy called aaron and he was really into like uh billy idol mm-hmm. and and punk, punk yeah uh and other stuff and he and i think he was he was a little ahead of the, of the wave at least for salinas everybody he, is ahead of the wave he, for salinas <laughs> and he pierced the the skin oh, between dude. his between his uh, thumb and finger thumb and finger that little flap of skin here and he pierced it right i'm like i thought he was freaking crazy <laughs> and he was because it got infected he had to take it out right because you know I don't know. how He did it himself. Yeah.
0: Or he had his friend do it. Well, I think he did it himself.
1: And then, uh, so that was my first, and that was in 1983, 84. So it was kind of early, but, but anyway, it was, Silliness wasn't a, a real high punk scene.
0: When people say how, how, how California is, they don't, they don't realize that California is full of small towns <laughs> that are full of
1: small towns yes.
0: that are not the same as other places but
1: they're not they're not the they're avocado, not date. avocado toast eating people yet. no no so, yeah, we do love avocados yes yeah, that's true but, but we uh,
0: make it into guacamole so. <laughs>
1: especially in salinas so that I never had that experience i i never saw anybody dressed like that in salinas i don't think not that i can remember do you ever see remember seeing anybody
0: no but i remember well because i remember it because this they came to our church and oh wow um which was a assemblies of god church and they were from out of town and they were actually assemblies of god people they were just you know they were they had been they were from somewhere else and i remember that (laughs) that all the teenage girls were like oh wow and all of the the older guy older men in the church were like "Uh uh-uh this isn't what we're (laughs) I just remember it was, a wow. very interesting, it was a very interesting couple of weeks.
1: I can't even imagine. <laughs> Especially, you know, one, you're in a conservative town. Two, you got a very conservative church. So, you know, you're not toying the line when you're just yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: But it's kind of interesting. The conclusion was we accept all people because, you know, you can supposed convert to. them to. To
1: to, to to wear normal clothes
0: <laughs> that, uh, yeah yeah if you, if you don't have them in the fold you can't influence them
1: well that's true so I think when you look at the masquerade the vampire masquerade I think it was very it was a huge uh hit right yeah it and did. it
0: and it also it you could you could say that it helped to to evolve role-playing
1: right definitely definitely it was the first game that really emphasized
0: storytelling stories
1: instead of combat yeah because you know vampires are very strong nothing's usually uh, gonna mess with them except other vampires right and they're pretty hard to kill so you got to really plan it out if you're gonna kill one
0: you have to be very quick too because they're (laughs) fast
1: (laughs) very quick i I I always think
0: of when i when i i always when i think of vampires i always think of dresden right and oh uh, dresden files dresden files and i always think of how whenever we we play that game the the fate is it fate that it uses or its own system or do you it's just fate. use it? Yeah. Fate. well when we play it all the people at the table have this consensus if you run into a vampire you just need to walk away because they're going to kill you yeah they're just so powerful you don't want to get into a fight with them so whenever that's what you think about so a room full of vampires
1: right or a house the, full. it
0: becomes a political intrigue thing of Of who's vying for power because they're just as they're thinking the same thing, right? They're both so strong that they can kill each other,
1: right? Right, yeah. When and start a war, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if if anybody who's read the Dresden Files, he does have clans. The red clan, they're based on colors, though, right? Yeah. And the color, they're they're actually physically different. I think the black ones are more more like -like bat-like and look like big, huge bat, ugly things. And then uh, there's white vampires and red vampires. And, and then they're called courts and stuff. So when I ran, when I ran the, the Dresden Files game, I actually had a vampire in the game. And in the game, they're not as powerful as they are in the books. But people had read the books and some people had not read the books. So when they came in and like when I mentioned the vampire. So some players had read the books and they knew how powerful vampires were. And then I
0: think all the players had, or no, maybe not all of them. Was this with with your test group of us, or was this with your this actual was, this at, was a, at, at a convention? convention.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then and other people had not. So when somebody mentioned, when I mentioned vampires, like half the group goes. Oh, we don't want to mess with them, yeah. right? And then the <laughs> other half, half is going.
0: We can take them. <laughs> not that we can take
1: them, but they weren't as afraid. I think it was very interesting.
0: Well, see, that's the thing about books, and 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 Vampire: The Masquerade. I think that is also a thing. People who read Anne Rice or Dracula, and they've seen the the movies like Lost Boys and all all of the things. When Vampire: The Masquerade came out, people had an idea of oh, yeah. what a vampire is, right? right? And a lot of it is, you know, they live for so long, they, they have these moral dilemmas. Are they going to kill all the people in the town? Or are they going to go for cows? Or what are they, you know, what's the, what is the, how are they going to feed? What are they going to do? And how are they going to keep their place, right?
1: Right. And I think that's what ultimately the game is more about, what it is to be human. The with, choices that you're going to make. And the choices that you make as a character. And I think that's, that's vastly different than, let's say, a D&D game where, it's not a really, you can make it about your humanity and the moral choices you make. But a lot of it has to do with monster hunting, which is very different from a vampire game. The, the What the themes, underlying themes of what almost every adventure is going to be or every session is going to be about. It's not going to be about, you're not going to go somewhere and kill monsters and, and gain treasure and gain levels and experience and get more powerful. You're more making alliances and breaking alliances. and. Back. You have
0: goals, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the goals of everybody else right? In the room, right? and you got
1: certain things that you want to achieve. The rules is, is that there's a humanity score somewhere in the, yeah. in the game. And if you lose humanity, there's a point where you just become a beast, a, this murdering beast that just goes around and killing everything and eating everything. So that's what you want to not happen, theoretically. I think it's a very interesting game. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was never interested in playing a vampire. I, I never looked at it too deeply other than you're playing a vampire. And I don't understand why you would want to do play that game. Later on, like I said, much later, I played a session of werewolf by uh, this guy called David at Dungeon Con. It was me and Felipe. And I really had a, I had a really fun time. We made, a vamp, we made werewolves. And it was not unlike any other game. And a lot of them were people that he already played with, but he just wanted a large, slightly larger group. I think there was maybe six of us. And it was fun. It was fun. It was interesting. But there was a lot of stuff, like even in Werewolf, they were there have, I don't know if they have clans, but they're, they're both broken up into groups. And they're like, oh, you guys are a certain group, gurus, or something like that. And like, there was all kinds of stuff that the, that meant.
0: They were talking about that in that documentary we were watching, that World of Darkness, they, especially Vampire the Masquerade, but also Werewolf, so many books were published right? that the history, that people that were new to the game would be overwhelmed by all the history right
1: right yes that does happen and you have uh, that's what
0: happens when you build a world
1: right right and it it happens a lot in older systems that have a lot of history like i said when i played the werewolf there was people who had played and they knew all kinds of stuff like they knew more about my clan than i knew like obviously and they knew what it meant to be part of that clan which i literally didn't mean i didn't know i mean mean i didn't know like what how that clan fit with the other clans, right? right? What that meant, what their, what right? their, what their deal was uh, sort of where they did. And they're like, Oh, they were, uh, and I could tell by their voice that ended by their actions, reactions, they thought something really interesting about it. And I was clueless about it, but you know, so, so I, I think, uh, they did produce a lot of books. And so when you have that much source, background material. Or source material, it can be intimidating to new players. I don't know what other game could it's like Star Wars, right? If you don't, depending on how the, you play the well, game. you, the you can just
0: say it's, it's like the, the world's in D&D, right? Like Forgotten Realms yes. and, and the other ones, they all have their specific histories and their right. specific ideas. And some people are like really into that source, source material and that's the world they want to be right. in. And, and they know all the lore and the gods and everything. In fact, the kids were asking me something about which gods are we using in Pathfinder? And I'm like... I don't know, because one, I'm not running the game, and two, I don't even know who the gods in Pathfinder are.
1: Well, he was using uh, Forgotten Realms, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he, he based his Pathfinder game in Forgotten Realms, and it was funny, because at one point, my, my son didn't know that Pathfinder had its own world. I go, yeah. Because
0: Saul just used Forgotten Realms. No, no,
1: I was using Gal- Galarian, but that it was works. so similar, right? And I, I wasn't really doing a lot of info dumping. about the world so he just thought it was Forgotten Realms because he was little when he started playing first edition and by the time we uh, went to fifth edition I just started in in Forgotten Realms he couldn't tell the difference because I wasn't really uh, world building that gives it like you know in this part of the world people dress like this and they speak in this manner I wasn't doing any of that it was all this homogeneous world yeah it was like
0: Star Trek with a universal translator yes (laughs) <laughs>
1: and then everybody looks the same, you know, yeah. just, just, even though they're not supposed to. Yeah. You know, this, uh, I don't know what you'd call them. But I think uh, there's been all kinds of incarnations of Vampire. I think they're on their fifth edition, just published. They did have a hiccup with this game called uh, uh, Vampire Requiem.
0: Yeah, nobody, none of their, <laughs> none of their people liked it.
1: And it, it bombed, basically. It, you know, it had a huge, It had
0: huge sales. Right. Because... Everybody bought it, but right. they never bought anything
1: else. Right, and So then after that stuff went down to the point where I don't even know if they acknowledge Requiem as part of their lore.
0: I think they, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, anyway, so the fifth editions come out. I think it's being published. I don't remember who publishes it. They uh, did they paradox paradox.
0: Although I think the actual publisher was Modifius.
1: It was Modifius. but now, and now
0: paradox announced that renegade Game studios videos. would be publishing the entire World of Darkness brand. And they would release Vampire the Masquerade products. Because so. Vampire the Masquerade is one of those games that you, they made it some kind of deal with um, drive-thru RPG. And they, right. they were releasing everything as um, a PDF. Right. You could get anything as a PDF. PDF and print. And print on uh, demand. What do
1: you call print on demand? Right.
0: And now they're actually going to go back to books. So or Actually being yeah, I think Modiphius stuff. did publish actual books. Yes
1: yeah it's it's a strange world now because uh pdf because drive-through rpg has really changed the way a lot of smaller companies can put their product out and uh because uh vampire masquerade and world of darkness stuff there was a lot of stuff and it just it just cost too much to print it right right and too too much money to print and then hopefully it'll sell uh, this really old product and drive-through rpg is The only people buying it are the people who who, Who want it. Who want it, right? And they're they're buying it, and if they want to print, they'll print, and they'll obviously they'll get some money. uh, Now, now I don't know the logistics or the numbers of how much money you get from a print-on-demand book compared to something you publish. But when you publish something, you usually have to have like you just can't publish ten. No, no, you gotta gotta publish publish a lot, a thousand books. And any of those books that don't get sold, you're stuck with. Yeah. And that's money that's out of your pocket. So uh, it's interesting that they decided to take that back. They're going back into publishing books. I think the only problems with drive-through are some people complain about the, the paper, the, the the bindings, and stuff like that. I've never had any problems with their books, but other people or maybe had a different experience. Vampire Masquerade is still around. It looks like it's going to keep on being supported by the new publisher. And even though I've never played it. I think it's a fascinating and it has an important, important place in the history of RPGs and it has had a huge influence, right? It, obviously, they've made movies off of it. And they were talking about in that, in that one uh, documentary we saw, they talked about the True Blood, where they're actually talking about how, the, how vampires were made. And it's verbatim from what that guy wrote in his first Masquerade book. A guy Cain. called Cain is the progenitor of all vampires and stuff. And I thought, I'm like, wow. I don't know if you can sue him, but it's so. I mean, how can you sue something that's. Well, you took that out of the Bible, so it's like. Yeah. But not that he's the progenitor of all vampires, but.
0: Cain and Abel?
1: Yeah, no, but that Cain is the maker of all vampires. I don't think that's. because he killed his brother. I don't know, no, but. <laughs> now I know that, but I don't know. There's it's nothing not in the Bible yeah, that
0: says that. that.
1: That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you play this game, obviously you know how how different it is from D and D, and you know the impact that it had on rpgs on a whole because it's really changed look at now a lot of games are more about storytelling than uh, tactical moving uh, miniatures on a on a grid so that's pretty cool I mean, we just played feng shui which had no maps and no grid
0: the only grid is the is the shot clock <laughs>
1: the, right right you got anything else to add honey
0: no I think if you if you like vampires and then Vampire the Masquerade is a cool game to play right so there you go. This is gaming perspectives with
1: Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.